Hi, this is Ananda, President of the Hare Krishna Community near Washington, D.C. What follows is a Sunday talk recorded at our temple. Every Sunday we invite the public for meditation, a talk, and a vegetarian lunch. We'd love for you to join us. More information is available at iskonofdc.org. That's I-S-K-C-O-N of D-C dot org. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the talk. Okay, so um, today's talk, we would like to welcome our speaker, Chaitanya Kishore Prabhu. Please come and, and, and take a seat. <laughs> Chaitanya Kishore um, uh, is a uh, disciple of Radhanath Swami and um, has a wife and, and three children, and a couple of them here with us today. And... Um, What's very wonderful about Chaitanya Kishore, well, first of all, the reason um, I wanted to use the Sunday talk as a way to introduce uh, programs and activities that are going on uh, around us in D.C. that may be inspiring for you. So one of the programs he was involved in for a while is prison work, going in and teaching uh, meditation and the Gita and philosophy in prisons. Uh, he lives in Colombia, so he does work a lot with the Bhakti Lounge up in Baltimore and is as well connected to the Institute, which is a beautiful center in Silver Spring. So if you live in any of those areas or want to get involved more locally in your area, um, Chaitanya Kishore is a good person uh, to speak to about that. Uh, one beautiful story about Chaitanya Kishore is way back a few years ago, it must have been about five, six, maybe seven years ago, he just shows up one morning here yeah. at Mangalarti out of the blue, um, I was here, and he just wanders in. I think at that time we didn't even have good lighting. I was saying to him, how did you find us? But he had read about Krishna online and had started to study and felt this call to go and investigate further. And uh, that was the beginning, and he's still here. He's a real philosopher um, by conversation, by activity. Loves to not only read the philosophy, but to live it. And that's why, uh, this is why we're doing Gita values, uh, because the idea of the Gita values are values taken from our teachings that can help us actually live the teachings. Because we can know it theoretically, but the idea is that ultimately the transformation happens when we begin to live it day to day. So um, the, the theme, the last class on the theme of affection uh, is for this month. And... Um, Affection, as we will hear, uh, is at the heart of everything. So please uh, give a very warm welcome to Chaitanya Kishore Kuru. Thank you, Prabhu. Hare Krishna, everyone. Do we have any new first-time people here? Raise your hand. <laughs> Welcome to the temple. Hare Krishna. Thank you for coming. Um, hope you come back. <laughs> really hope you come back. So today's topic was um, affection. So when she first gave me this uh, topic, I kind of laughed. I'm probably one of the least affectionate people you ever meet in your life. <laughs> uh, very clinical, very sterile. Um, my kids can actually testify to this, so I'm not being humble at all. <laughs> Uh, but it was interesting. I took it as a challenge to kind of see why is that the case. Where, uh, 
when you're giving these talks, it's always an opportunity to kind of examine where you are and where you stand. So as much as I'm giving the talk, I'm also in the talk with you all too. <laughs> um, so I have a question. Who out here is looking for love? One, two. Okay, this is, it worked out good so far. Um, so I want to tell you, I love you. So are you looking for love anymore? You're satisfied? You're no longer looking for, ah, you're messing it up. <laughs> you want more love. Well, the point I was trying to make with that little, that little pun is, love is fickle. Love can be so many things. It has so many different facets to it. There can be a really deep love that's filled with devotion. There can also be, also be something like tough love. Um, my son just thinks I'm yelling at him, but actually I love him. <laughs> but I just can't be gentle with him because of the way he's reciprocating with me. Um, so love's just got, it's got so many different faces, right? It can mean so many different things. It has so many different levels. Um, like I said, it can be distance. It can be tough. Um, you could think of love, if you think of love as like a cake, right? You can make a cake without sugar, and it could still be good. It'll be like a savory cake or something, right? Well, think of affection as the sugar to that cake. <laughs> so a cake by itself is good with no sugar. It's fine. Got a good cook, it could come out really nice. But once you add sugar to the cake and you're eating a sugar-based cake, all of a sudden, the cake is just like multiplied a gazillion, a million times. So the point I'm trying to make is, yes, there's love, but affection is what makes this love really, really sweet. Affection is what makes love taste, tasteful. Um, you can have a relationship of love with, um, I love killer whales. I think they're great animals. They're really smart. They have some really neat tricks. But I'm not going to go into the water and try and hug a killer whale. I'm not going to try and show affection to a killer whale. But I do love it. But it's that affection which kind of binds our relationship. So love is there, yes. But affection can help take us to a deeper level. can help us experience love in a more deeper, meaningful way. So hopefully I hope to kind of convey that through this talk. We can kind of explore affection, the different facets of affection. Um, so affection is, uh, the Nect of Devotion talks about affection. If you don't know, the Nect of Devotion is um, it's a book that kind of instructs on bhakti yoga, devotional service. Um, also explains bhakti yoga as a science. So the Nect of Devotion talks about affection in a very, very scientific way, a very deep way. I am probably not going to hit on those points. <laughs> I'm going to try and keep it at the surface. But it's a very good reference for those who are actually practicing bhakti yoga uh, about the different facets of affection. I'm going to probably more talk about it in ways that you and I can relate in our everyday lives. So love, the thing about love, love can be kind of one-sided. It can be one-sided. You can have someone, I love you, but they don't love me back. Um, or it always does in the movies. It goes in the movies, there's this scene where he says... Uh, what happened? I love you, but I'm just not in love with you anymore. <laughs> so in such a case, you have a one side is actually loving and the other side. The love is there, but it's, it's, not, so, it's not so relishable. Um, affection, on the other hand, affection has a back and forth feature to it. Refe affection is about reciprocity. 
Affection is about an experience between two parties, two or more parties. It's not a single thing. It's very difficult, uh, kind of weird to be affectionate towards oneself. But it's much more natural when you're in a relationship and you're sharing in different exchanges of affections. So love by itself is a wonderful thing. But again, love can have many different facets. But once we bring in the idea of affection into love, all of a sudden we can kind of access the deeper stratospheres of love, if you will. So what's the point of this whole talk about relationships? Um, There's many points, but when it comes to relationships, there's not a lot of, um, we don't often deal with affection. We kind of do a high-level overview of many of our relationships. I'm generalizing, of course, so. But we often do a high-level overview. Yes, I love you. We have a great relationship. We're doing fine. Um, but what about affection? And a lot of relationships can be lost on the point of just affection all by itself or just a lack of affection. So the point, again, the point of this talk is just to, to kind of help us in our relationships to go a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper than just love, a little bit deeper than I love you because you're my spouse or you're my mother or you're my grandmother, to try to really explore the depth of these relationships that we engage in on a day-to-day basis. So I want to start with just some general definitions. What is affection? What is it? Um, so the dictionaries, first place I always go and I want to know a definition. Um, the definitions in the dictionary, they're a little funny. So there's one definition, um, affection is described as a gentle feeling of fondness or liking. Uh, Affection, it can be gentle, it can be a feeling, it can be fondness. Um, I still wasn't so satisfied with that definition. Um, Another one gave the definition of uh, a feeling of liking for a person or a place, a feeling of liking or love. Eh, Not so much. Another one gave a little bit closer, a feeling of liking or caring for someone or something. Tender attachment and fondness. I kind of like that definition because uh, it's a little bit more than a liking. Affection is just a little bit more than just a feeling or liking. It is about a fondness. It is about having an attachment for someone or a group. The nectar of devotion Like I said, it talks about affection a lot, but it gives a bit of a loose definition. It defines affection as one of the symptoms of love. So when I was just kind of researching, like, what is affection? What are people saying about affection? It was a little difficult to pin down a very specific definition of what it is. So what I want to look at is what are the symptoms of affection? What does affection look like? How can we see affection? Um, oftentimes we don't know exactly what something is, but we can understand it by, by its symptoms. So, some things about affection. Um, when it comes to affection and engaging in exchanges of affection, you have to come down off of your high horse. Um, I'll give you an example. If you're a Supreme Court justice uh, and you have a grandchild, when you engage in that relationship with your grandchild, um, there's affection there. Uh, The grandchild doesn't see that you sit on this big bench. He doesn't see that you have this high title. And for granddad to actually enjoy that type of relationship, he has to kind of give up his Supreme Court justice title. He has to let it go. He has to simply be granddad. 
So in order for them to really taste the depths of that relationship, to really engage in it in a meaningful and genuine way, you've got to come down off of your high horse. You may be a big so-and-so, but the goal is not just to kind of flaunt our titles. The goal really is just to have more meaningful and deeper relationships with each other. So that requires kind of coming off your high horse. That's one of the features I found about affection. Um, something else about affection, um, as I mentioned previously, it works on a, it's a give and take thing. It works on the basis of reciprocity. Affection is very difficult to fake. Um, affection is very difficult in a vacuum when you're just by yourself. It's very difficult to express um, affection without a other party, another party being there to actually receive the affection. Um, if you think about maybe your best friend or your, your, your favorite child, even though you're not supposed to have a favorite child, <laughs> you may have one that you're a little more attached to. And if you think about those, those exchanges that you all have, they're genuinely, they're back and forth. They're back and forth. Uh, my son comes in, uh, I come in the house, and the first thing he does, he runs over, hey, dad, whatever I'm going through, I got to let it go. I got to go, hey, Shum. He's giving me a big hug, and then I hug him tighter, and he pats my back, and then I pat his back, and he say, how you doing? I say, good. And he say, how are you doing? He says, I'm doing great. So <laughs> with every exchange, there's this desire to just kind of reciprocate. And so that's a feature of affection. Maybe not always present in love because there may not always be the opportunity to reciprocate. Um, but in affection, there's this back and forth. There's almost like this tennis match that goes on. And the longer the tennis match goes on, the funner the game is. Uh, another feature of affection. Affection is contagious. If you've ever seen someone being affectionate, you kind of want to be a part of it. Um, I'm a bit of a recluse and tend to stay by myself and stay away. But every time I see Gorvani, like I'm just like, <laughs> I'm bubbling on the inside because he's very affectionate. And even though I may not be so affectionate, his affection is contagious. And all of a sudden, I'm contaminated. And all of a sudden, I want to engage in this affectionate exchange with him through no fault of my own. So affection is, is very contagious. Um, something else about um, affection, it lacks duplicity. It lacks duplicity. It's hard to fake affection. It's a very awkward thing. To try, and, to try and fake affection is very awkward. On the flip side, awkward exchanges of affection are very genuine. <laughs> so it's a funny thing about affection. Um, also, it's, it's not self-serving. Rarely does someone engage in, a, in an affectionate exchange with the goal of, I'm just going to take all the affection for myself. <laughs> so I'm going to see Gorbani, but I'm just going to enjoy all the affection. As a matter of fact, it, it's kind of like popping or bursting a balloon. It just it doesn't quite work. Um, the thing about affection is there's this principle of pleasure that's there. And one party is pleased by the pleasure of the other party. And so that's how you get this back and forth thing going on. Um, I see him, I smile, but he's even more pleased, and I want to please him, and he smiles, and he smiles bigger, and then he's like, I want him to be even more pleased. So that's where this back and forth nature comes from. Um, affection, it lacks that duplicity. It lacks the, this idea of I want something else, or I want something for something. Um, it's spontaneous. It's a very spontaneous thing. It's kind of hard to actually plan affection. 
And even if you have planned affection, um, it's the spontaneity of it, the spontaneous aspects of it that's actually made that exchange even more sweet. So it has a spontaneous, unplanned nature to it. Um, and that spontaneity, is, it's kind of representative. Like, if you think of every day, we go through the motions. Um, hi, I'm Charles. I'm Chaitanya. How are you? Hi, I'm Gauravani. How are you? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. How's the weather? The weather's great. Good. I hope it, uh, hope it gets sunny one day. Great, great. Nice to meet you. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Um, so often, we just have these kind of banal, generic type of exchanges. And they can be loving. They can be loving. There can be a genuine love there for the other party. Um, but it can also lack affection. And again, it's like, the, um, it's like the cake without the sugar. The cake can be good, but with the sugar there, the cake can be a lot better. <laughs> Another thing um, about affection, it creates an excitement. You know, when you see someone, when you see someone that you're really close to, that you guys really have this exchange, you know, you're excited. No matter what, you're, what you've been going through for that day or for that week, there's an excitement there. Um, you think about your, your spouse when you first started dating. <laughs> not, not after 20 years. <laughs> when you first started, there was, some ex- uh, there was excitement when you saw your spouse. You were happy to see him. You were thinking about them at work. You were, you were waiting to, to just check on them, and you were calling them or texting them. So there's this excitement there when the affection is actually deep, when it's actually rich. Um, and affection, the bottom line, kind of enhances. It enhances any of our relationships. Like I said, it's nice. We all love each other. I love you. You love me. We all love Krishna. Krishna loves us. But it's the affection that really brings the relationship to the surface. So, kind of giving those outline of what affection kind of looks like, um, is it okay if I share some stories about affection and maybe we can kind of talk about them? Is that okay? Yes, that's okay. So there's one story I want to share. Um, it was a little boy named Shamananda. And on weekends and on Saturdays, he would go to, uh, to a house uh, where Mother Kunti lived. And Mother Kunti cooked pancakes. <laughs> and she cooked pancakes for everyone. Some of you have, may have heard of this story, and some of you may have even been to the house where Mother Kunti makes the pancakes. Shamananda was having a very rough week, very, a lot of bad dreams. And so he relayed to his mom, Mom, I'm having so many bad dreams. But tonight, tonight, I'm going to have a good dream. She said, okay, so what kind of dream are you going to have? He says, I'm going to have a dream about pancakes. And Mother Kunti is going to make me the pancakes. So the mother said, okay. So she relayed this dream to Mother Kunti. Uh, Mother Kunti heard this declaration, and she was in tears. She was in tears. Um, Her response was, I am your slave, and I am your eternal pancake maker. (laughs) Now, when I heard this story, um, I wanted to be a part of it. I was just kind of smiling, grinning ear to ear, um, because it was was an exchange of affection. This was something more than just love. Of course, Mother Mother Kunti loved Shamananda. Of course, Shamananda loved Mother Kunti. But this exchange that was going on, it was something deeper. It wasn't just about love. It wasn't just about pancakes. It was about the desire to kind of exchange this pleasure. And the the contagious nature of affection kind of revealed itself. Um, 
because just myself hearing the story, like I said, I wanted to be there. I wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to engage in this exchange. Um, and Mother Kunti, they, she hadn't been, they hadn't seen each other for weeks, you know, and you think of little kids that they're just kind of willy-nilly, they go about their day, and they forget stuff. They do things, and they pick up a toy, and then something else comes along, and they forget about so many things. But this Shamananda, this little kid, he was holding Mother Kunti and her pancakes and her service pancakes. He was holding them so close to his heart. And as he was going through something difficult, he was pulling on this to come out of it. So this deep uh, connection, this deep attachment, this, this affection, it was helping him to get by. And for Mother Kunti, it was something for her where, where she was relishing, was something she can just kind of, kind of imbibe, you know, and kind of be recharged, um, and kind of be grateful, and be very thankful to be a, a part of a community where this exchange of affection is actually happen, happening. Um, again, I wanted to share that because it was such a sweet, example of how affection works. And so there's another story. Um, doesn't involve pancakes. Um, have you heard the story, which is very sad. Have you heard the story of um, Lord Brahma? Lord Brahma when he steals the cowherd boys. A lot of people are familiar with that story. This is a story that's very, very deep and very rich in exchanges of affection. If you don't know the story, I'm going to tell it anyway. Um, I'll give it a little synopsis. If I tell it wrong, then you can talk to me after the talk, okay? Don't embarrass me. <laughs> um, so the pastime of Lord Brahma stealing the cowherds, stealing the calves and the cowherd boys. Um, so Krishna, in Vrindavan as a little child, he had just saved the cowherd boys from Agasur, the Agasur demon, the snake demon. Um, this big snake demon had come and set up shop and pretended to be a cave and all of the boys walked in and it was a trap and of course Krishna saved them. And so they came out of it. And so Krishna, after coming out of that, Krishna was thinking, let us find a place to sit down. We can sit down, we can have lunch and the calves, they can eat the grass and just kind of relax. That was a very traumatic event. So Krishna pointed out this really nice space on uh, the, the Yamuna River. Everyone sat down. Everyone agreed. This is a good idea. Let's just sit down and let's have lunch. And they sat down and Krishna sat in the center and all of the cowherd boys, they just kind of encircled him. And they were enjoying their lunch and they were really just enjoying the moment of being face to face with Krishna. Um, and the moment was almost like Krishna was like the, the rosebud and the cowherd boys were like the petals of a lotus blossom. Um, and they were eating and they were going back and forth. And uh, just in that exchange, there was just so much affection being exchanged there. So I mentioned earlier how you have to come off your high horse to really engage in a deep, loving exchange. So here, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, number one, was just acting as a little boy in Vrindavan, just as somebody's son, as somebody's brother, as somebody's friend. Um, and he was just sitting down with his friends like anything, just having lunch. Um, he had to come off of his high horse <laughs> to really appreciate that, to really not even just appreciate that, but to really be a part of that exchange. It would be very difficult for Krishna to, to be in this universal form and really just to sit down with the, these cowherd boys and try to enjoy that exchange, you know, because the, the mood would be a little bit different. Instead of really uh, attachment uh, or devotion, it would more like be a, a mood of reverence, of awe and reverence. 
Uh, for instance, if you sat down with the president, um, but if you sat down and ate at the White House, you know, you might think he's a really nice guy. This is really cool. But because he's still in his he's still in his mode of president, he's in the White House and there's the big chairs and everything around. It's a, a little bit hard to really engage in a deeper conversation with him and a deeper exchange. But if he came over your house and he left the Secret Service at home and told them to wait outside <laughs> and he just wore his sweatpants or his weekend clothes <laughs> and he brought his wife and he, and, he, and, he, and he brought a bottle of juice or something and he, he sat down on the couch next to you and, and he helped you wash dishes, you know, that relationship, that exchange becomes so much more sweeter. But it requires, it requires, requires him to come off of this high horse. So in the same way, Krishna and the cowherd boys were enjoying these pastimes, but Krishna had come down off of his high horse. So this was going on. They were engaging in this exchange. Um, some, at some point in time, the calves disappeared. Everyone noticed, and the boys were yelling, Krishna, 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 the cowherd boys are gone. Um, and Krishna decided that he would go himself to go and look for the calves. Now, this is kind of... You know, this is kind of normal. You think the stronger person, I'll take care of everything. You know, you guys go ahead and eat. But there's a really a deeper, nicer point to be made here. This is Krishna, the supreme personality of Godhead. Number one is eating lunch with little village cowherd boys. Uh, at the same time, he's concerned that they continue to take pleasure in eating lunch, that they continue to take pleasure in their exchange. So again, we talked about earlier that the affection is about this ongoing exchange where one side is desiring more pleasure for the other side than they are for themselves. So in the same way Krishna was desiring the, the cowboys to, to kind of stay in this mood of pleasure, to kind of stay in this mood of, of, of enjoying. And so he went to take care of it. Of course he's God so he knew everything that was going on. He could understand that Lord Brahma had come down to actually take these cowherd boys um, Krishna's concern was, how can he return home to Vrindavan by himself? How could he return home without bringing all of these boys? And how could he return home without bringing the calves? So again, yes, love is there. But with affection, there's a deeper desire to, to, for the other party to be pleased. Krishna is the supreme personality of God. He can take, he can take care of everything. He could snap a finger and the boys could come right back and they would be right back here and everything would be fine. Um, but that wasn't his desire. That wasn't his mood as a little boy in Vrindavan. His mood was to engage in these, these, these exchanges, these exchanges based on affection. And so just like a candle that can light a hundred other candles, he, um, he appeared as all of the boys, and he appeared as all of the different calves. He expanded himself as all of the boys and all of the different calves. Um, and so the boys showed up home, and they showed up the calves, showed up home. They showed up back to the cows. And this was an interesting point, interesting point they were making about this. So there was already naturally a love there for the mothers and the cowherd boys. There was a natural love for the cows and the calves. But they describe in the story that there was a deeper exchange of affection that took place when these little boys and cows came back. Um, they explained that it was because there was a deeper affection. The, the parents had more affection for Krishna than they did for their children. 
Of course, this is naturally the case. This is the supreme personality of Godhead. But when Krishna appeared as their children, there was an almost unrecognizable affection that took place. There was such a deep, deep affection exchange that took place. Because number one, there was the love of, of a parent. But then there was also the love of, of God mixed in with that. So the exchanges of affection, they were much, much more deeper. They also describe how the, um, the cows that came home, how the cows were, were much more affectionate with their children, with the calves. They also explain how the, the fathers, so the fathers were there, they took care of the older cows, and the kids took care of the calves. Um, they separated them. So when these cows saw the calves, I don't think they were even related, but they started running down the hill to chase after these calves. And they were giving them milk. Now, the, the dad's job was to kind of stop them, to stop them from running down. And they couldn't stop them, but they, they, were, they, were, they were angry. They described them as becoming very angry that they couldn't stop the calves from coming down. But when they came down to see the calves and to see the children, they were completely melted. Because the calves were exchanging this, and, this, and the calves and the cows were exchanging this really deep, loving, affectionate exchange. Um, because the cows, they weren't even supposed to be giving these calves their milk. The calves weren't even related. But of course, as I mentioned, the Krishna had expanded as these cows. So these weren't ordinary calves. And the, the, the fathers were melted. They were lifting up their sons, which they weren't their sons. <laughs> they were lifting them up above their head. They were hugging them. They were smelling their heads, and they were really squeezing them. They had really melted, and they were really just kind of engaged in this exchange. And when they returned back up to the hill with the cows, described the, the men as, as crying as they were going up the hill. Um, and so all of this, this whole pastime, all of these things were taking place. Um, there was even an exchange of affection that was taking place between Lord Brahma, who'd stolen the cows in the first place. You know, his desire, his reason for stealing the cows, um, it wasn't to play a dirty trick. He wanted to see the glorious pastimes of the Lord. He wanted to see the Lord kind of, I don't want to say puff up, but he wanted to see the, um, the wonder of the Lord because he couldn't believe that here the Supreme Personality of the Lord himself, of Godhead himself, had came down as a little boy to appear in Vrindavan and he was performing so many pastimes. It was a bit incredulous. So there was that exchange there between Krishna and Lord Brahma. There was exchange between uh, the parents and the children, the calves and the calves. Um, at the bottom, the depths of these exchanges of these relationships is affection. It was affection. The love is naturally there, but it was the affection. It was the exchange of affection that made these relationships very, very, very much more meaningful than they ordinarily would have been. Um, I'll kind of share my personal um, story about affection. Like I mentioned, I'm probably one of the least affectionate people you'll meet. Um, it's because I grew up in a household that wasn't, there wasn't a lot of affection there. Um, my mom was wonderful, 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 wonderful mom. Um, but I call my mom the general. <laughs> she was very good at outlining the rules, outlining what you're supposed to do, outlining what you're not supposed to do, what the etiquette is, what the etiquette is not, where you should be, what time you should be there, what time you shouldn't be there. Um, this was the nature of my mother. Um, it wasn't very affectionate. <laughs> it was very, I won't say dictatorial, but it was very instructive. She was, her, her mode was, her mode and her mood 
was teaching. Um, growing up, I kind of missed out on that. I didn't really understand my friends, their relationships with their parents. They had this kind of close with this closeness with their parents, and they would joke with them, and and I would look at them like, "That's weird. You're joking with your mom." Like I, I, <laughs> I wouldn't dare joke with my mother. We just that's not what you do. But it, I didn't look at it in an envious way. But it was it was really interesting to see that there was there was something there. There was something deeper there. Um, but for me, I got what I needed. Um, but as we grew older. Um, kind of affected our relationship, you know, because I had grown up, that affectionate peace wasn't there. It was just the respect. There was the love there. There was the awe and reverence. There was the respect, but the affection wasn't there. So our closeness, we weren't as close. And I think it's been, we haven't spoken in maybe a year now. I haven't spoken with my mom. Something happened. There was a bit of a fallout, you know. Um, there's no love loss. Like, I don't love my mom any less. She's my mom. I owe her my life. I'm very grateful. However, because of growing up in that environment without the affection, that kind of closeness is, is difficult to fake. And it's difficult to pretend. And, and when the affection is not there, again, love can be there, but, uh, but having a really deep relationship with someone else is very difficult without this exchange of affection. So this affection is, is, is a very important aspect to go deeper in our relationships. And we're all here taking up this spiritual practice here, right? Um, hopefully we're not here to just kind of stay on the surface. Um, we're all here because we want to go deeper. We want to go deeper with ourselves. We want to go deeper with our relationships with our loved ones, with our family, with people we work with. We want to have a, a more meaningful exchange with each other. Well, to really to tap into that meaningful exchange, we really have to take a look at affection. Affection is at the... This is the process. This is the process of bhakti yoga. Um, and I'll end with this really nice quote from the Nectar of Devotion. It is, to, it is to be understood that any person who is constantly engaged in chanting the holy names of the Lord... Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, has attained a transcendental affection for Krishna. And as such, in any condition of life, he remains satisfied simply by remembering the Lord's name in full affection and ecstatic love. So we should hope, we should hope and pray for a deeper affection with the Lord. Um, but in the process, we shouldn't trample each other <laughs> to get to the lotus feet of the Lord. Um, community is about relationships. And yes, the relationship with the Lord is very important. But even more important than that relationship is our relationship with each other. So we want to have a deeper uh, love and affection in our relationship with the Lord. But we should really try and have a deeper love and affection amongst each other and with each other.